Good morning. We're so happy that we have all uh, gathered together today. We're happy for your presence. We're especially thrilled for all of our visitors who are here in our midst. And we hope that uh, you will give us a chance to greet you and get to know you after our worship time this morning. Uh, God has given us a beautiful Lord's Day on which to meet, and we're just, we should all be grateful that we have the ability to be together in His presence, worshiping Him, and enjoying fellowship uh, with the saints. If you've been paying close attention to the bulletin, you've seen that I've had a list of uh, my upcoming sermons, and today we were supposed to talk about the fig tree, the parable of the fig tree, but I have changed things up a bit, gone in a different direction, as you can already see. Today, as we continue our series called Long Story Short about the parables of Jesus, we're going to be talking about a very familiar parable, because it's a very familiar, we've turned it into a very familiar song, a song for kids, that most of us know. I won't make you sing it, but it goes a little something like this. I won't sing it either, I'll just, I'll speak the words. And if you want to do the motions, you're welcome to. The wise man built his house upon the rock. And the rains came down, and the floods came up, but that wise man's house stood what? Firm. But, in contrast to that wise man, the foolish man built his house upon the sand. And just the same, the rains came down, the floods came up, and the foolish man's house, and I know you'll want to do this one, went flat. Good job. So, the message of the parable and the message of the song is, build your house on the Lord Jesus Christ. Build your house on the foundation of the Lord Jesus Christ. How about we read this parable as we begin? I don't have it up here, so it will require you to follow along to grab a Bible, hopefully your own copy of God's Word, and go with me to Matthew chapter 7, where this parable is recorded, starting at verse 24. Let's read these words of Jesus together. Everyone then who hears these words of mine, these words that he has spoken in the Sermon on the Mount, and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell And not only that, great was the fall of it. Now, a lot of times, we often like to focus on the big difference at the end. You know, the final result, the final outcome. The stood firm versus the splat. But, as you read this parable, you should notice that these two men presented in this story hold much in common. There are a lot of similarities when it comes to these guys. And here are a couple Number one, both of these men, the wise and the foolish man, they were building on something. They both had a foundation. The wise man had intentionally picked 
the rock. He had drilled down to establish his house on the foundation of that rock. The foolish man more haphazardly built on the sand, but they were both building on something. They both had a foundation. Whether chosen deliberately or unintentionally, they both were building their lives, their houses on something, and so are we. Let us not think for a minute that we're not building our lives on some kind of foundation. There is something underneath us on which we are building. And the encouragement that this parable gives us is make sure you have chosen your foundation wisely. Because if you don't pick your foundation, our culture, our society will be all too happy to pick it for you. And they will hand you this, and they will hand you that, and they'll say, build your life on this, that'll make you happy. Build your life on that, that'll bring you satisfaction. You are building on something. And the question is this morning, what is it? We need to be asking ourselves, what am I building my life on? What is my foundation? There is something underneath my feet on which I'm building. Both of these guys are building on something, and so are we. And here's another similarity. Both experience storms. Both men. The wise and the foolish men. The house built on the rock and the house built on the sand. The rains, the floods, the winds visit both houses. The storm is not selective. Storms are not respecters of persons. And we don't need to be naive, and I'm, I'm probably preaching to the choir here, because this is not a people unfamiliar with hardship, with trial, with difficulty. Maybe we have some untested folks in our audience, but most of you, you've been tested. You've been through storms. You know that storms will come. That rains will fall on the just and unjust alike, as Jesus earlier says in the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 5, verse 45. Storms are going to come. The storms of family strife. The storms of challenges at work. The storm of losing a job and facing unemployment. The storm of depression, of discouragement. The storm of death either after a long extended illness or quite suddenly, the storm of disease, the storm of cancer. It's not a question of if, it's when. These storms will come. You faced many of these storms. The question is, when they come for the first time or when they come again, will your house hold up? Will you be able to endure? Will you be able to bear up under the pressure of those hard rains, those rising floodwaters, those heavy winds blowing against the side? Are you going to be able to, to weather the storm? The parable that we have read already, the parable of Jesus, teaches that only the house built on the rock-solid foundation of Christ is going to be able to stand up to those storms. And we've seen this throughout history. I think about our mothers and fathers in the faith, those earliest Christians in the first century and in subsequent centuries who were persecuted, who were beaten for their faith, some of whom were killed, were martyred, but they kept the faith in spite of, as the song says, dungeon, fire, and sword. How were they able to endure such hardship that they faced 
as Christians, it was because they had built their lives on the bedrock of Jesus Christ. Because they had laid the right foundation. Their foundation was none other than our Lord and Savior Jesus. I think about African Americans who have endured the horrors of bondage and slavery and continued mistreatment throughout the last century, and even in this one, how were some of them able to endure such hardship? In many of the cases, it was because of their faith. Because so many of them were faithful Christian people who had laid down the right foundation. Jesus Christ. They had built their lives, their houses on the bedrock of Christ. One of my personal heroes of the faith, and a, a man who's been a mentor to me, his name is Chuck Morris. No, not Chuck Norris, Walker, Texas Ranger, though maybe there's something about him worth emulating. I'm talking about a minister by the name of Chuck Morris. Some of you know him, friends with him. He was a youth minister in Savannah when I worked there many years ago over the summer as an intern. He's since been a minister in Jackson, now in Dyersburg. He's taught classes at Freed Hardeman University, Jackson Christian School. He and his wife Natalie, I have long admired them, but a few years ago, I began to admire them even more because Natalie, his wife, was diagnosed with breast cancer. And their Facebook walls, both he and his wife, in the face of this diagnosis, became tributes to the goodness and faithfulness of God. And they were able to put on display how they dealt with the diagnosis that they'd been given. How they were able to weather the storm of cancer in Natalie's life. And there was one post in particular that stood out from November 2014. Chuck writes, On this November treatment date, we are reflecting on so many things for which to be thankful. A God whose loving faithfulness gives us peace. Our three precious girls who are learning so much about faith on this journey. Our parents whose love is indescribable. Our Christian family who prays for our healing and strength. The continued support and love from our Jackson Christian School family. The excellent treatment and care from the Kirkland Cancer Center team. The cards, messages, meals, prayers from so many. Your encouragement has been a great blessing. And then he quotes Paul, 1 Thessalonians 5.18. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. In the face of a life-threatening illness, their faith was put on display for all to see. And in another post, Chuck writes, perspective must be grounded, must be grounded in something far deeper than the momentary. See, it's only because Jesus Christ is their foundation that they were able to weather that storm with grace and hope and faith. You can't deal with the storm like that in your life in the way that they did unless you have laid the right foundation. Unless you've built your life on the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus says in this parable that wise people, and who among us doesn't want to be wise? We don't want to be fools. We don't want to be foolish people. We want to be wise. He says, if you're wise... You will build your life on the bedrock of my teachings. We not only hear, but do. The foolish man also heard 
what Jesus had to say. But because he didn't heed what Jesus had to say, and he didn't build on the foundation of Jesus' teaching, his house went splat. It fell down, and great was the fall of it. So it is not enough to hear. We must, as James says, do. We must act on what we hear. We must obey. And Jesus, at the close of the Sermon on the Mount, he ends with this parable, and he says, wise people are going to hear my words, but not only that, they're going to do them. You need to build your lives on my teachings. And in the context, he's talking about what he just got done preaching in the Sermon on the Mount. Teachings such as, let your light so shine before others that they would see your good works and glorify your God in heaven. Such as, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Teachings like, lay up for yourselves treasures, where? In heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. Teachings like, seek first my kingdom and my righteousness. Teachings like, whatever you wish that someone would do to you, do also to them. Just a sampling of some of what Jesus had to say in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says, build your life on that. Build it on that. That's a firm foundation. Build your house up on that, but not just his teachings in this particular sermon, but his teachings as recorded throughout the Gospels. His teachings as recorded throughout the New Testament, because we believe the New Testament is an extension of the teachings of Jesus, and what Paul wrote, and what James wrote, and what Peter wrote, and the others, extend, and just as authoritative, just as inspired as the words of Jesus, So build your life, lay your foundation on the teachings of Jesus. But not just that, lay your foundation on the work of Jesus. Not just what he said, but what he did for me and for you. His willingness to become flesh, the son who became a man who took on the limits of humanity, To show us how we ought to live. The son who became sin on the cross. So that we could take on the righteousness of God. The Lord who on the third day was risen again. To give us hope of resurrection. We're not just laying our foundation on what Jesus said. We're laying it on the work that he did. What he accomplished on our behalf. For our salvation. For our redemption. And finally, we are building our our lives, our houses on the person of Jesus. Who he is. This crucified, resurrected, ascended, exalted Lord as we sung about. Who is presently sitting at the right hand of God making intercession for us. He is fully alive. Let us not forget that Jesus is alive this very moment making intercession for us until the glorious day he is awaiting when he shall return. Judge the world, usher in the new heaven and earth, and we will dwell with him for all eternity. And he is present with us in a very special way through his spirit, which guarantees our salvation and strengthens us for the journey. We lay our foundation on him, on his person. That's a firm foundation. That's the foundation that I want to build my life on. 
And I love when Luke records this parable in Luke chapter 6, verse 48. I love this extra imagery here. He says that the wise man dug and went deep. He dug through that sand until he found the bedrock beneath it. He dug and went deep, and that is where he began building on that solid foundation. And so should we, until we can say, on Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. Until we can say, Jesus, you're my firm foundation, I know on you I can stand secure. But but I think we've got a problem. I think we've got a problem. I think we might even have a problem in the church. I think sometimes we want Jesus to be in our lives, but we don't want to build our lives on him. I mean, we've got some lovely wall hangings with some beautiful verses from scripture. And we like to share our favorite verses on social media. And Jesus and God and, and some passages from the Bible adorn our language. And we got a lot of people in our country, boy, they want those Ten Commandments, that they want that monument in the courthouse or out on the lawn. But they might not be, even be able to tell you what those Ten Commandments are. Much less what other passages in the Bible say. You see, I think we like for Jesus to be a part of our lives. We like for him to be the decor on the wall, the furnishings in the house, but we don't want him to, to be our foundation. We want Jesus to be the decoration in, in lives that we are building on other foundations, on pleasure, on whatever the next fun experience, the next vacation we can plan. Our lives are, are, are just linked from one fun event to the next. And when that one's over, we're just looking forward to the next one. That's our foundation. Concerts and vacations and trips to theme parks, that is what we're building on. And yet, we like to sprinkle Jesus in along the way. Or maybe we're building on cultural trends or finances. If I can just, if I can just get my family financially secure and then what happens? We have an accident? out of work a while stock market crashes or we're building on personal success we're trying to make ourselves better and more productive and more effective listen if you're building on those things you are building on sand and it doesn't matter how pretty and ornate and big the house is it doesn't doesn't matter how many jesus decorations you've got on the walls you're building on a foundation of sand and the house is going to come crumbling down and great will be its fall. So is Jesus the foundation or is he just the furniture in your house built on sand? And I've been thinking too, as I've been preparing this message, I've been thinking about this text as a father. And I've been thinking about it as a minister as well. And as a member of the Lord's church and the responsibility that we have towards all our young people in raising them up to love the Lord. And I've been just thinking about the foundation that we, the church, are helping to lay for our children. And what kind of a job are we doing? I mean, I've presented this before that 
Several studies have shown that around 50% of Christian young people drift from the faith after they graduate high school. 50%. Multiple studies have shown this, that at least for a time, half of our young people, when they graduate, will put their faith on the shelf. They'll, They'll leave it behind. Just to make that a little more real, I want you to imagine that I step right down here and number off these young people. One, two, one, two, one, two. The ones will stick with their faith while the twos will depart from it. And don't you think, don't think for a minute that this congregation, for whatever reason, is immune to that. 50%. I'm not satisfied with that. Are you... Surely we are not satisfied with the 50% success rate with our children. And one reason for that is, many students graduate with a weak understanding of what it means to be a Christian. Let me share this with you. One group of researchers asked college juniors who were youth group graduates this question. What would you say being a Christian is all about? And I'm wondering, maybe what our adults would say, some, some of our adult believers. What would you say being a Christian is all about? More than two-thirds listed answers related to doing the faith, like loving others and following Jesus' example. And those are important components of the faith, certainly. But not at the core. And listen to this, more than one-third did not even mention Jesus. And of those one-third, 35% did not mention God or Jesus. They just talked about behaviors. Now certainly, do's and don'ts should result from our faith, the right behavior, the right ethical outlook on life, that should be the outcome of our faith. But without the foundation of Christ, do's and don'ts just become arbitrary rules that are disconnected from a deeper reality and therefore don't seem all that important when you're not under mom and dad's roof anymore. Just wondering about this foundation that that we're laying for our young people as a church. I mean, clearly from this, we are not laying as strong a foundation in the faith as we could and as we should. And in fact, what's even worse is we might be laying for them an entirely different foundation. I mean, we can say to our kids that, yes, Jesus is most important. Yes, church is most important. Yes, obeying God is most important. But we might be betraying those words by our actions. Because our kids can see right through those words if we are more committed to being in the gym or on the field than we are gathering with God's people, than we are serving the Lord. They're not fools. If you tell them one thing and do another, they will believe your actions. And if we are not building our lives on Jesus Christ, if we are not laying a firm foundation for our young people, then we are helping them to build their lives on sand. On the shifting sand. We're assisting them in that. We're causing them to, to stumble. Jesus had harsh words for those who would cause one of these young ones to stumble. We dare not Help our children build houses on sand that will come crumbling down, that will not withstand storms in life. And what's more, I want to end this on a sobering note. Not only will lives built on sand fall during storms and great will be their fall, they will also not withstand God's judgment. They will not. 
Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3, no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid. Jesus Christ. You have the bedrock. You've got the rock on which to build. Build your life there. If you want to be able to endure now and forever. And ideally, as believers, our foundations, hopefully we have laid our foundations on the rock on Jesus Christ, and our foundations should be getting progressively stronger, harder, as we go throughout life. It's fascinating to me that after 76 years, engineers at the Hoover Dam say the concrete is still curing on the inside of that dam. It's getting harder. And that's the way our foundations in Christ should be. Getting firmer, getting harder, getting stronger as we grow. But maybe this morning, as you have listened to Jesus, as you've listened to this message, you're thinking, you know what, my foundation started really strong. Boy, I was fired up for the Lord. I wanted to live for Jesus Christ. I wanted to follow Him. I wanted my life to be wholly devoted to Him, but There's a commercial I'm seeing a lot. I think it's out of, a, out of Nashville. Foundation problems don't get better with time. Y'all seen this? These cracks that develop at the foundation of our homes, they don't fix themselves. They're not just going to suddenly cure themselves and piece back together and provide a strong foundation for the home. No, you've got to address those. You've got to get to the root of the problem. And this morning, you have an opportunity to come and say, there's some cracks in my foundation. And I need to mend those. Scratch that. I need to allow Jesus to mend those before they get any worse. I need the prayers of my church family. I need my brothers and sisters to lift me up to God. You know, sin, sin has a way of thriving and it is amazing what happens when you drag whatever darkness is in your life out into the light. You can finally see it for what it is. The deception of it. The trickery of Satan to, to get you to believe that that was worthwhile. Drag it into the light this morning. Whatever it is you're dealing with, whatever cracks are in your foundation, bring them forward. I promise you, God will give you a renewed perspective on that sin and on your life and you will walk out those doors. It'll be a fresh start for you. Knowing that you've been forgiven by God and knowing that these people who love you dearly will be lifting you up in prayer. Or maybe this morning you've never said, I want to build my house on the rock by confessing Jesus as Lord. I know we've got people in here. Young people, young adults, older adults, and you've heard the gospel, you've come to church, you've heard Jesus proclaim, you know what he did for you, you know what you need to do to respond to him and to receive the gift of salvation, and yet you wait, and you put it off. Let me tell you, by putting it off, by default, you are building your life on sand. When storms come and when the great judgment day of the Lord comes, that house is going to fall in around you. And great will be its fall. 
decide this morning to come and say, I want to build my house on the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you do, the blessings will come down as the prayers go up. Why don't you do that today? If you haven't confessed Jesus as Lord, if you haven't repented of your sins, if you haven't been washed so that those can be washed away in the watery grave of baptism, why don't you do that? I tell you what, I am praying today. As we speak, I'm praying. Maybe it's not going to happen this morning. Maybe it's going to be after church today. Maybe this afternoon. Maybe after church today, somebody's going to come up to me in the lobby and say, look, I didn't want to be baptized in front of 350 people or 400 people. I know I've got to do it. I know I want to do it. Let's do it. I'm praying that before the end of the day, we have at least one, at least one, who decides to put Jesus on in baptism. Let's make it simple. If you haven't, then you need to. I hope you want to. I hope you will. How about you do it right now as we stand and sing?